Hi, this is Evan, and you're listening to Damsels in Detroit on Podcast Detroit. Hey, y'all. So we're back. Episode 7 of Damsels in Detroit, and this is just flying by. Like, wow, I can't believe it. But I'm sitting here with Erin Winters today, um, and I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Erin. She's super, super awesome. She has a lot going on, so I'm excited to have her here today. Um, Erin Winters is a video storyteller, digital strategist, and entrepreneur from Detroit. She's always been a risk taker with an infectious drive for success. In 2012, she began working as a news fellow at WJBK Fox 2 the summer before heading off to Howard University to study broadcast journalism. Every summer, she returned home to work at Fox 2, getting hands-on experience as a producer and journalist. Since graduating from college, Erin has won two contests which turned into careers. She became the first young and free Michigan spokesman for Michigan, Michigan First Credit Union and became National Geographic's first ever digital correspondent. Today, Erin owns her own digital media and production company called Erin On Demand, where she helps businesses of all sizes maximize their online presence and tell their stories in creative ways. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> this is so exciting. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here because I just love everything you're doing. I'm just super proud. I'm just Every time you post on Instagram, I'm like, yes, love, uh, like thanks, it. Evan. Likewise. <laughs> I'm so excited for you oh, and for this you. new project and podcast you have oh, going on. Thank you. I know. I'm like getting used to it. I'm like, this is cool. I like doing this. It so is. We'll continue. But um, I just want to know first, what inspired you to get into broadcast journalism? Ooh, it's so funny because a lot of people don't know that I started off wanting to be an actress. Okay. And so when I was younger, I did a lot of casting calls and um, I just decided that that just wasn't the route for me okay. in terms of like chasing Hollywood and yeah. just all of that. It is such a tough industry mm -hmm. to crack into. And I, but I knew I wanted to do something with my like on camera presence and my okay. personality. So um, my English teacher in high school, he was also my drama teacher and my theater teacher. And mm -hmm. he was just like, yo, you need to do something, something. like be. <laughs> what about journalism? Like okay. you're a great writer. You're charismatic on camera. And so that kind of piqued my interest. And then um, so I started kind of doing some research and people used to always tell me, like, I could see you being like on the anchor desk mm -hmm. or whatever. So I started doing some research and um, I ended up finding this program called the Emma Bowen Foundation, which is how I got my internship at Fox 2. Okay. So I started that my senior year of high school. So that really kind of at that point, I knew like this is something that I'm interested in. Yeah. And that's good, too, that you figure that out early on because sometimes, you know, you get in college and you think that you know what you want to mm -hmm. do. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine, too. Yeah. You yeah. just have to be in tune with yourself mm -hmm. and, like— if it doesn't bring me joy, I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I learned that at an early age, and I've just kind of been using my intuition and, and that sense of joy to kind yeah. of guide my direction. So so can you talk more about your um, internship with Fox 2? Like, what were your day-to-day -day duties like? Like, what was that like? Well, the crazy thing was when I first started, I thought I just I thought I knew what I was doing. Right. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm a great writer. I I bust out some essays. Mm -hmm. Like my English teacher told me out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, 
it was like totally different. Like yeah. the writing style for TV and news and even broadcast or like radio or yeah. I mean, you know, like social media, all mm-hmm. of the the writing styles are so different. So I really had to kind of unlearn everything that I knew about yeah, writing. That's the hard part. And yeah, so I started off my boss, my old boss at Fox 2 was incredible. Her name's Katie Fair and she like coached me through everything. Mm-hmm. Um how to write and I started off writing 30 second PSAs and when my first PSA aired, I think Amy Andrews um, did that one. And I was like, when I saw it on TV, I was like, mommy, I wrote that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I was so, you know, just excited. Um, but day to day, I did like, um, I did, I wrote a lot of PSAs. I went on shoots. I shadowed some reporters. And then mm-hmm. toward the end, because it was for four years, right. I was going out on my own. I wasn't like on camera because of the union restrictions, but um, I did a lot of interviewing for just different news quick news stories um, and pitching ideas and stuff. So, yeah, they gave me a lot of freedom as my time progressed. And so did you choose to go back every summer or was it like they were asking you? That was the way the program was set up. So every summer I went back, I got paid, I worked 40 hours a week. So I was an employee essentially. Right. Um, And then the program, Emma Bowen, they matched whatever I made in scholarships. So if I made $5,000 for the summer, I got $5,000 to work college. Okay. So it was a really great program. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still going on. So if anyone who's listening oh, is interested in Emma Bowen Foundation, um, just Google it. It is it's an incredible program. And they're looking for broadcast interest, media interest, or even um, tech like IT, mm-hmm. people who are interested in that too. And is that only for college students or is it? You can apply your senior year of high school okay. or your freshman year of college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. So if any of y'all know somebody you know, mm-hmm. share that news because people need jobs out here. Right. <laughs> so you, to me, are the contest queen. I feel like any contest you enter, <laughs> if you don't win it, you're like in the top three. Yeah. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, you became um, Michigan First Credit Union, um, their first, or not their first, but you were the Young and Free Michigan spokesman, mm-hmm. and then National Geographic's first digital correspondent. So can you talk about how you found out about those contests, what you had to do to apply, and kind of what your mindset was? When you were entering, did you just know, like, I got this in a bag? Or was it like, I don't know, like, this is intimidating? Well, I think a big reason why I'm so comfortable with, like, public contests is from the acting experience that I had when I was younger. So I've never been afraid to just put myself out there. Um with those contests, the funny thing is someone has always told me about the contest. I've okay. never – any contest that I find on my own, I never place. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing ever. So um, for Nat Geo or for Michigan First, uh, my aunt sent that to me, and I was freaking out because it was my senior year of college. Right. And I had took kind of a big pivot in my interest, and I realized that I didn't want to do news reporting anymore. And so I was like, okay, so what the heck am I going to do? Right. And she stumbled upon that because she was a member at Michigan First. And okay. she was like, oh, I think this will be so good for you. So I applied, and it was some really um, strong candidates. So okay. I had no idea if I would win or not. Right. And um, that kind of snowballed into the other contest where um, I did Live with Kelly, and they were looking for a co-host. Mm-hmm. And I made the top ten for that. And then that snowball. So once people started getting wind that I was, like, doing contests right. and I was cool with it, now people just send them to me all the time. <laughs> I'm so serious. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then the Nat Geo one um, came up, and that one was very—that was the hardest one I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, I bet. Because— 
is National Geographic yeah. on top of the fact that the competition was insane. So mm-hmm. um it was tough, but I I swung it out, and I just am always myself. I think that's the biggest yep. component to being in a contest is, like, don't do what you think they want you to do. Just do you, mm-hmm. and that translates really well because with Nat Geo, everyone was, like, um, like in the wild and, like, in the ocean right. and just, like, doing all this newsy stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a city girl from the D. Okay. Like, and <laughs> Nature? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And it worked to my favor because we ended up kind of arcing the digital series toward, like, I'm a city girl who's, yeah. you know, just an everyday explorer. Like, I'm not about to be rubbing tigers and, you because know. that's what I thought they were going to have you I was so scared you know, for you. Cool, but, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, it ended up being a really cool experience. I was like, I'm about to have my girl out here in the Pacific Ocean. Okay, I can't. No, uh uh-uh. It was nothing like that. So did you feel pressure from that job, though, because it was the first time they had ever done something like that? Did you feel like, I really have to get out here and go hard? Like, what what was going through your head? Yeah, so let me just give a little bit of background. So the job was, as the digital correspondent, was for me to basically, they had a show called Explorer, Mm -hmm. and they wanted me to kind of come in and create a digital show that spun off of Explorer. So if there was a segment about... um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Oh, there was a cannabis show. Mm-hmm. And it was all about, like, cannabis and, like, it was this big cannabis story. Okay. And so I did a more of a fun take on it where I had a gourmet cannabis chef and I was cooking with them and asking him about his experience and all of that. So it was kind of like I had the fun element the fun of the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um so it did challenge me. Like, I had to really go hard. I had to move to, back to D.C. So okay. at that point, when I got the job, I was still working at Michigan First right. under contract with them. So I had to um, move to D.C. So I was doing both at the same time until my Michigan First contract was okay. up. And it was um, – it was just it was a lot because I was I was the first I was black I was a woman I was right. young um, All of the and things. I had yeah <laughs> and I had this role that paid very well you right. know and it was very public so I knew that I had to bring it and um it brought its fair share of ups and downs okay. like it was not an easy time because of those things right <laughs> and um even like with that level of exposure like reading comments on the videos yeah. like when you're used to positive feedback right. and all of a sudden, like, they they knew they were taking somewhat of a risk yeah. with this type of content because they wanted to broaden out their audience mm-hmm. a little bit. So um, it's just it's just all of those things kind of combined. It was it was good for me, but it was also a challenge. Yeah. But you made it through. <laughs> yeah. OK, <laughs> you did it. Um, and to speak on what you just said about it paying very well. So I watched a couple of your YouTube um, videos today and we'll get into oh. Aaron on Demand on YouTube yeah. because like and subscribe. OK, <laughs> but um, like you just said, you were getting paid very well. You know, you just left. Well, you were finishing up one position going into another. So what was it like to kind of be that young and be making a nice sum of money like that? Did you? 
feel like I'm about to go shopping. You can't tell me anything where you really conscious about saving, you know, and yeah. do you have any tips if you did, if you were really good about saving? That's a good question because when I um, was working at Michigan first, my, and everything was so public. So when I was at Michigan first, I was making about 30000 a okay. year and I had a $5,000 bonus okay. that I had to work really hard to get. Yeah. And then when I went to Nat Geo, I was making one ten a year, so mm-hmm. I w- my income tripled. Okay, <laughs> and so um, it was different, Very. like, but it was also the cost of living in DC. So totally at Nat- at Michigan first, I was still living at home. Right at Nat Geo, I was paying. I moved to DC. I'm paying two grand a month in rent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm paying everything on my own. Right, furniture. You know, everything. So. Um, I honestly saved, I didn't, I saved a good amount. Like okay. I saved a lot of money working in both jobs. Good. Um, but I've always been like with those contracted positions, you have to be very careful because if it's short term, you're like, what the heck am I going right. to do next? So I'm always thinking like, okay, I need to be in save mode yeah. all the time because I don't know if I'm going to start my own business next, which I right. ended up doing and I needed money so (laughs) yeah yeah that is so I'm glad that you said that though because that's something that I'm trying to get better at too like you know I feel pretty secure with my job like I don't knock on wood I don't think I'm gonna walk in there tomorrow and I'm gonna be like well bye sis like we don't need you so I think that it's easy sometimes to be like okay yeah, you know, I'll get paid I'll next say, week. Right, I'll yeah. get paid next week or every two weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just having to just be very conscious about like, well, there's other things that I want to do. You want to travel. You want to, I don't know, you might want to save up to go to one of those like super fancy restaurants downtown. But yeah. it's just super important to be conscious about that in yeah. this day and age. And I will always just say live under your means. Yeah. Like I think we just, we graduate and we want to get a new car. We want to get an apartment. Yeah. We want to get all these things because we've never had a salary. Right. right? We've never <laughs> made that type of money. But um, one thing, especially after I graduated from Howard and moved back here, which wasn't my ex- wasn't my intention. Yeah, um, I was like, well, like I just need to look at it as face value at face value and save. Like, just take advantage of this time because you will not get that time back yeah. once you start <laughs> taking on certain responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So um, that's definitely. What I would advise, like, if you are moving back home or if you have the opportunity and you're young, like, take advantage of it, even if it's just for a year. And you're right. like, okay, I'm just going to stack for a whole year and then I will be where I want to be to be comfortable enough to do this, this and this, mm-hmm. you know. So I think we just get so excited yeah. and it's not it's no rush. Like, right. I really have to, like, calm myself down and be like, Aaron, it's no rush. Yeah. Like, just keep doing you like keep saving. And when. Like when the time comes, it's going to happen and you'll be prepared for it. Right. Because like you said, life comes at you fast. Because when I moved into my condo and I signed my paperwork and I'm thinking like, oh, I don't have to pay my HOA until the following month. They called me the next day and they were like, oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you that we need a check for X amount of dollars. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> and them HOA fees, um, they ain't no joke. Yeah, they're not. They're, <laughs> yeah, child. <laughs> but I love my place, but still, That's if good. I didn't yeah, have to. Yeah, your place is so cute. I'd be looking you. on Instagram. Okay. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as we mentioned earlier, YouTube, Erin mm-hmm. um, On Demand on YouTube, um, you talked about everything from showing us your office space to how to save money to how to be organized and how you struggle with procrastination, which 
I related to. I was watching that one today and I was like, girl, why are you in my business? <laughs> but why did you want to start a YouTube channel and why do you think that YouTube is such a powerful tool? Mm, it is. So reason number one is I've always been on camera. Like mm-hmm. all of my jobs have allowed me that and that's like my heart. Yeah. And so I wanted to be on camera and I wanted to practice like because that's one of those things where if you stop, like you you got to keep like building that muscle. Right. And so um, I really wanted to just have something that was mine. So I started the channel. Um, and on top of that, I felt like it could drive traffic to my business. Right. Like if I kind of niched it toward like entrepreneurship and video or, you know, whatever, like just k- kind of a girl boss slash entrepreneurship theme. Um, I've been attracting business from YouTube, which when I started it, it was kind of like it wasn't my main intention. I was just like, oh, I think, you know, people can benefit from this information and, you know, I enjoy it. So why not? Um, But it has really kind of turned into something that I won't say I wasn't expecting, but I will say that it's happening rather like rapidly. Right. And so um I think YouTube is a very powerful tool because video is just powerful right it now. Is. Like it's really no other form of content that is as engaging as video because it engages you pretty much all of your senses, your sight, you, you can read, you can hear, um, as opposed to maybe just like written words in a mm-hmm. blog or even a podcast. Like podcasts are super engaging too, yeah. but video is like all of them combined essentially so i think if any business like wants to push themselves out there it is definitely something to consider with starting youtube or or any type of content pushing your stuff out on any platform so how many months ago did you start your channel i started at the end of november and i'm at five, I just hit 5,000 oh, subscribers. Oh, Yeah. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah, so every um, – I'm growing. Like, I pretty much get, like, I would say about 50 new subscribers a day. Okay. Um, And then it – I, I like the slow and steady rinse the race. Like, yeah. I'm kind of nervous <laughs> if, if something, like, just shoots up mm-hmm. because I just, I'm ready for it, but I don't know. You just never know with the internet. Yeah. Because I had one video that I posted two months ago about saving, and it randomly took off, like, three weeks ago. Okay. Like, before three weeks ago, it had maybe, like... 5,000 views and now it has 50,000 views. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it just, yeah, it just, you don't know when something's going to pop on YouTube. So one thing I will say is if anyone is interested in, in you know, starting a channel is just be consistent. It might not yeah. happen right when you post and you might post a hundred videos before you get one video that hits a million views right. and then all those people trickle into your channel. Yeah. So you just have to be patient um, and have good content yeah and (laughs) you're posting weekly yes i post weekly i'm trying to start posting bi-weekly but um yeah it's a lot of work and that's another thing is it's just a lot of work yeah because you're doing it all yourself (laughs) yeah you're you're planning the videos which takes time then you're recording the videos then you're editing the videos Mm -hmm. then you're writing the description and creating the thumbnail and publicizing it on social media so it really does take time and i think a lot of people it's kind of like that glamorized job Absolutely. now that everyone's like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> Until you start and you're like, oh, shoot. Like, right. This is a oh, lot. I have low to key. do work. work. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's, um, that's what yeah. I tell people about blogging, too. Because yes. people are like, oh, I think I'm going to start a blog. And I always ask, like, well, do you like to write? Yeah. And some people are like, not really. And I'm like, well, you probably shouldn't start a blog yeah. because I hate going to somebody's blog and 
you click on a post and it's literally just like one paragraph. I need more. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to know Substance. how you were feeling. If it's a fashion blog, I want to know where you got this from. Exactly. Why you were looking for this particular item? How much it cost? Like, give me the information. Don't exactly. just say like it was a nice day outside and I thought I looked cute. So exactly. here you go, boom. Like, no. Exactly. I need like be intentional about what you're putting out there. So yeah, and it needs to be something you're just passionate about. I mean, yes. you can't, you can you will not continue if you're not. Because, like I said, even with just having monetized, like I don't, like I probably hit a hundred dollars so far, yeah. and it's like I've done how many videos? Right. Like it takes a long time to get to a point where you're actually making money off yeah. of a blog or a podcast with advertisements in it or right. YouTube or whatever. So it's just if you're not passionate, it's just not gonna. Yeah. If your work. first thought is just like I'm about to do this to make some quick change, like it's you will be very disappointed. Very, very. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just became a YouTube partner. So mm-hmm. what does that even mean? <laughs> okay, so YouTube partner means that you are able to monetize your okay. channel. So. Um, I was able to monetize. So now I'm making money off of my videos, which is cool. So to do that, you need at least 1,000 subscribers okay. and you need at least 4,000 hours of watch time. Okay. So, um, and the way that you get that really is through consistency and uploading more, okay. like frequently. Mm-hmm. So people who upload like three times a week have a higher chance of getting those credentials because gotcha. over someone who may upload once every two weeks or mm-hmm. something. So, yeah. But, yeah, I was excited because, I mean, I've been doing it for fun. But to know that it's something that I can have as a second, you know, stream of income, whether that is only like $200 a month or whatever, like that's gas or groceries. Like I'm somebody who values every single dollar that's coming in. Seriously, that's $200 you didn't have before. Right. (laughs) So as we've been talking about, your confidence pretty much just shines through on camera. But what advice would you give to somebody that is thinking about starting a YouTube channel, but they might be a little camera shy, but they're wanting to break out of it. What are some tips Mm. that you would give them? That's a good question. Um, I will say you just have to really just try. Um, The first thing that I started doing was I would talk in front of the mirror, just talk to myself. Because a big thing that people feel really uncomfortable with is looking at themselves and yeah. hearing themselves. And so when you just look in the mirror, like we do everything else in the mirror, but we we will never just stand there and be like, hey, girl, so what are you doing today? Like, oh, what are, what are your plans for the day? Okay, I'm going to go to here, 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 and here. Like it just helps you articulate your thoughts and like speak them out loud, you right. know? So I always encourage people like to talk to yourself in the mirror or if you want to take it a little step further, talk to your Instagram stories. Like that's a big part like that's a big thing that a lot of people also feel uncomfortable doing like talking directly to the camera but it's really a very similar relationship with your phone camera as to your um you know your dslr whatever kind of camera you're going to record your videos on and then another thing i would say is don't feel like you have to have like this big bulky equipment um to start because if you do get used to talking to your phone and we're so used to carrying our phones anyway that when you if you start recording your youtube videos with your phone it seems a little less daunting than having like a big camera and a ring light and you know box lights and just like this whole youtube setup that Mm -hmm. so many people have like 
full-fledged YouTube studio setups now. So um, I would say just start where you are, talk to yourself, talk to your phone, and just just do it. Yeah. Like the only way you're going to really build that confidence is through practicing. And um, you can watch as many YouTube videos as you want on like how to start and what to do and da da da. But that's like analysis paralysis for real. Yeah. Um, because until you do it, you don't know, like, what am I good at? Do I twitch my eye too much? Right. Do I, you know, <laughs> say um too much? Or am I, like, blinking too fast mm-hmm. or whatever? Like, those are things that I would say really analyze once you start recording. Even if you don't put those videos out, like, look at them and uh, – like analyze yourself or have people watch them and say like and look at them while they're watching it and see like where does their attention divert or where do they laugh I should do more of that you know like those are the types of things like I literally study my YouTube videos and other people's to see like okay why does she have so many subscribers like what makes her special yeah Um, so yeah just be intentional right and it's not that you're trying to like mimic what they're doing but there's I feel like a code to everything, oh, like yeah. a cheat code to everything. Oh, yeah. So if you can figure out some of those little, them little codes. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so you have two businesses going on right now. Mm-hmm. So you have Aaron on Demand, where you're supporting businesses, small, large, medium size, tall, small, <laughs> everything. <laughs> and then you have Black and Gold. Yes. Um, which is an apparel company that you started with Cameron. Yes. Hey, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I see you guys have done like crew necks, hoodies, t-shirts, all of that. So how has it been, um, having two businesses at once? Mm-hmm. And can you just tell people too, um, about both of them, the services that you offer and things like that? Yeah. Okay. So I will start with black and gold. So black and gold. So, Honestly, we did not create it as an apparel company. Okay. But because we are selling apparel to kind of push the message and to get funding for the things that we actually want to do, mm-hmm. it's kind of – I feel like people perceive it as that. Right. But technically, it's more of like a community-based organization that we're gearing up to really kind of like push more of the community aspect of it okay. instead of more of the apparel side of gotcha. it. Um, but basically black and gold, it's spelled G-O-A-L-D with mm-hmm. the root word of goal in it, just intended to push blacks to like really dominate our goals and encourage and really help be more of a resource. So those are things that's kind of what we're working on, getting in schools, doing workshops, having events with um, people, just young people. How can we help you guys, you know, taking families and doing little like um, buying them groceries for the week or paying for someone's gym membership for the month, like helping really the community like achieve their goals okay. in whatever small or big way that we can. Um, in terms of Aaron On Demand, I am – a digital media and production company. So what I do is I help businesses, like you said, of all sizes, um, create like social media campaigns or um, cool creative videos to market or to um, promote their business or their service or whatever, you know, organization or whatever. Um, so both take a lot of my time. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> I'm always so busy and it just takes so much time management because, Aaron um, on Demand is like my main job. Right. But Black and Gold also is a baby and it requires a lot of attention as well. So um, it's a lot to balance. It is. Um, it's good to have a partner with Black and Gold because everything doesn't fall on me. Right. And Cameron and I work really well together. That's I mean, good. we balance each other so well. Um, 
and air on demands, I'm I'm learning more of how to delegate and scale because I know that I can't do everything by myself. Yeah. So um, I'll have I'll contract people in and okay. help me with different projects and things like that. So it's all a learning curve. I mean, seriously, like just like YouTube, um, you just gotta like hop in and do it. Like no better teacher than just getting that experience. It. Yeah. So can you talk about some of the clients you've had so far with Erin On Demand Mm -hmm. or projects that you've worked on that you're super proud of or ones that you have coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah. So one of the bigger ones, I just did a shoot for TV One. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was cool for their Women Change Agents in History um, series that they had. So that was a pretty big shoot. Um, I have this (laughs) company who makes the, you know, those covers over the... um, at the parking lot, in the parking lot, or, like, at the ATM, those, like, bubble things. Okay. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> okay, so it's a company here, and they're, like, the lead cr- manufacturer of these, like, they're called Bollard covers. Okay. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Bollard, B-O-L-L-A-R-D, <laughs> covers. And you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I never would have <laughs> ever guessed, like, there was full-fledged, multi-million-dollar company who makes these. Mm-hmm. Anyways. We did a video for them. Um, what else? I'm working with uh, on a video for it was like a three a three business. Um, these women on black women owned businesses are coming together and doing this big giveaway. So it's a boutique called Lindsay's Closet, Rucker Roots, which is a hair care line, and the Lip Bar. So okay. um, just like all different types of businesses, it's really fun because. Um, I get to kind of experience a little behind the scenes or like pull these really cool stories out of entrepreneurs that you probably will be like, oh, I didn't know that about them. Yeah. Or I didn't even know what this business was or that it existed. So it's pretty cool. The most fulfilling thing about being an entrepreneur for you. Mm. <laughs> fulfilling. Oh, there's so many. But I would say the biggest one is how I'm watching, literally watching myself grow. Like a year ago, I was a different person than I am now. And I value things so differently. Like I value my time so differently. I value my money so differently. Um, I value my friends and like my support system so differently because when you're doing this, like you need so much support, especially when you're doing it Full time with no other like nothing. This is it. <laughs> um, so it is. It is. Um, it takes a village to really like stay afloat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like my parents, they are letting me live with them. Right. Um, just all the support that I've gotten has been incredible. Even one thing I will say for anyone who is looking to become an entrepreneur full time, especially is. Um, to just be nice to people. <laughs> like, oh it's so, it's, yes. it's so important because even like the TV one shoot that I got and a lot of the shoots that I, I get, especially the bigger projects are passed to me from people from that geo that I worked with. If they're like, oh, cause TV one, they s- specifically said they wanted like, uh, producer who looked like me. Okay. I'll just say that. And so, um, she passed it 
this woman that I worked with at Geo two years ago passed it on to me, mm-hmm. which, I mean, she was just like, I mean, you know, I know you will handle it well because of how you worked there. So right. I think it's just so important to be nice, to always be your best self. I've gotten clients from, like, my high school used me. Like, if I was a terrible student, they probably wouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just every little thing matters. And when we're going through life, we just have to think about the fact that this is probably – or could not be the last time I interact with these people. Right. So you really do want to leave your strongest impression. I love that you said that. I was literally just thinking about that. I think it was either this morning or late last night, but I was just like, I just want people to know that I'm a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> like genuinely, not like this is a fake nice. Exactly. You know, like a nice nasty exactly. type of deal. Like I really just want to be good to people and yeah. – that's it. And then the thing, too, is especially when you start kind of putting yourself on a platform and like now with YouTube or with people starting to know your brand or your face right. or whatever more, it's like you don't want to be that girl who people be like when they meet you in person, they're like, ooh. Right. Like, I don't, oh, I thought she was yeah, this I thought way. she was like bubbly and fun. Yeah. Like, and she's actually not. So, right. <laughs> you know, you really do want to be consistent. And that's the thing like with – even with YouTube, like, don't put on a facade or with yep. your social media. Like, just be yourself because it's going to come out, yep. you know. I was going to say, you will get so exhausted. Yes. You will so get so exhausted. exhausted. And people will see through it. Mm-hmm. And then you just will notice your exactly. engagement is going down. People can't. They don't feel like they'll relate to you. So, yeah, yeah consistency is definitely key in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. So, I have some listener questions. Okay. Ooh, so, hey, listeners. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so the first few come from Ari XB from Instagram. Her hey, first, Ari. hey girl. Um, her first question is: Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs that want to have an authentic digital digital presence while monetizing? You kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but a couple more nuggets if you have any. Authentic digital brand while monetizing. Well, I don't think monetizing should like change your authenticity at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people, you do notice that a lot on YouTube or Instagram. Even when people start like getting sponsored, they start changing. Yeah. And obviously, you got to get your coins, right. honey. So <laughs> you know. But I think someone who does a pretty good job is Patricia Bright. A lot of people follow her, so okay. I'm just going to use her as an example. She does like a lot of clothing hauls, and she's a beauty. She's a beauty girl but she's still very honest like even if her stuff is sponsored she'll intend I mean it's part of the it's probably part of you know just the whole thing now but she'll intentionally kind of criticize certain pieces or certain things because it's like we want your honesty you know and your authenticity so I don't think you have to compromise once you begin monetizing just keep being yourself and brands will reach out to you because they want that authenticity and they want you to be real because their product i mean your audience is what matters and you have to in order to keep them you have to keep being yourself yeah i'm not for like the i'm just gonna try to sell you this product because i'm making some money for it like let me like did the dress fit girl like and if you're monetizing um if if because there's so many ways to monetize you have this just the ads which Mm -hmm. is google adsense from um from YouTube, just those ads that play, then you have like those sponsorships. Um, and then you have monetization where if you're leading people to your business and they're consuming your business, that's also a form of monetization. So if you're talking about monetizing from a brand standpoint, I would say, um, just, just 
be honest. Like, yeah. don't don't compromise it. And don't take brands that you don't align with. Don't yep. just hop on any brand deal just because you want the money. Like, really assess the product or the service. And if it works, lead your customers there. Because that can be damaging to your brand if yeah. your, your followers go ahead and participate or get it. And they're like, this is trash. Yeah. Like, so and you don't want that. And your comments mad at you. Exactly. <laughs> Our second question is, what common mistakes do you see other entrepreneurs making in the digital space not living up to their social media or the brand that they're portraying Mm -hmm. like I've tried to consume and support so many small businesses and it's just not there the customer service is not there the knowledge of how to actually run a business is not there your Instagram is not your business like you have to know how to do administrative stuff you have to know how to do taxes you have to know how to keep records and have systems and in place to have a good business like and so i think we overlook it by thinking that just this one thing that we love to do is all that we are going to be doing in right. our business but that's not the case yeah. so um there's a difference between just doing something for fun and doing it as a business and when you get other people's money involved that's when you have to be very very careful and i think entrepreneurship has kind of taken this like glamorized turn where people don't want to work hard anymore they just want to you the know stunt and yeah. that's it. So that's the biggest thing I see is just the customer service and like the back end of the business is not in place. And then her last question is, what are some of your digital content pet peeves? Honestly, and I'm still I'm still kind of guilty of this, but one of my pet peeves now is like overbranded Instagram. Okay. Like I just sometimes I just cringe when I get on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. it's just not the same anymore. Like I want 2012 Instagram back because <laughs> it was so fun and like so authentic. And I feel like now really those um those pages that are super authentic, like your Tracy Ellis Rosses or your just like regular like people who just aren't afraid to just be themselves yeah. and like not care about an Instagram theme and not like be super branded with their Instagram stories and everything. Like I think those people are starting to win now. Mm -hmm. And so it just, I mean, it really just depends. Now Instagram culture is so like, you know, professional pictures, which is fine. But I think in your captions is where you have the opportunity to then portray your authenticity. And I just think it went authenticity just wins on social media and that, sense of fakeness or phoniness is my pet peeve yeah i have tried to like make my instagram feed all pretty and then i'm just like i cannot do yeah (laughs) it's so stressful it is stressful and it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be and i think for me like i'll have moments where i just happen to post like cute pictures in a row and i'm like oh this looks kind of good and then it'll fall off and i'm like okay Erin, i'm not about to stress about this like it's just not that deep the people don't like it anyway okay right (laughs) (laughs) taylor harrell from instagram says if someone does not want to go the entrepreneurial route what jobs should they look for in corporate america to fulfill their passion for digital media hey taylor um i think it just hmm what job should they go after i mean i think you really just you can't expect for a job to fulfill every single thing that you want to do so um even with my business like there are still things that i'm interested in that may not be you know a part of my business mm-hmm. but um 
you know, you just got to read those job descriptions. And, and in your interviews, I would say to really ask, like, questions that pertain to what you're passionate about. Asking, like, am I able to be creative? What is my creative freedom? How, you know, am I able to pitch different different campaigns? Or, you know, what kind of... um what kind of authority will I have in this role? And I think sometimes we get so scared to just ask and, and kind of interview our interviewer yeah. when that is op- when that part of the interview is open to us. So I would say first start, start just doing research on the company. I feel like a lot of times it's where you work as well, yep. not just what you're doing. So look into the company and um, look at the job description and take it really seriously. Not so much the title because yeah. where I got, um, where my ego started to fall with the Michigan first job is like oh man like this job title isn't really like I thought I was going to be working at like CNN or MSNBC Mm -hmm. or MTV or some somewhere cool and I kind of got caught up my ego got caught up with the fact that I'm working at a credit union but in reality the job was everything that I wanted and, right. and needed to get me to where I am. So don't pay so much attention about the name of the comp to the name of the company or the title per se. Like really look at the job. That's a good piece of advice. I like that. Um she Glory from Instagram. Do you know Shakina? Hey Shakina. Okay, I'm like, y'all have to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> her questions are about black and gold. Mm-hmm. So her first one is how do you package and ship your black and gold products? Oh, that's such a good question. Um so we use these poly mailers. Um, we do all of our packaging and shipping. So there's something called drop shipping, and then there's you can do self fulfillment. So we went the self fulfilling route because self fulfilling that sounds kind of <laughs> sounds kind of weird, but um, we went that route because we the products that we got samples for with the drop shipping. Um, they just weren't good. Okay. So we always are like quality over price. So we pay more, but we have quality products. Right. So um, we t- we use like clear packaging to put the shirts or whatever in. And then like we double package okay. and then we put those in like a mailer. And we use Shopify. And Shopify, if you're thinking about having an online store, Shopify is your best Friend, I know people who are using like Squarespace or trying to like do it through their site because they don't want to pay like the Shopify fee, but Shopify does all the work for you. So um, if you are interested in that, do some research on Shopify and they you print your shipping labels right from Shopify and everything. So they make it really easy for us and they track all of our inventory. Nice. I've heard good things about Shopify. It's amazing. Um, And her second question is, is it better to handle fulfillment yourself or? Or would you consider hiring a service to do it for you? Yeah. So that's kind of what I was saying. Like the service, there's different ones like Printful and Printify and, you know, and they will they will package it to where you don't even have to touch your products. Like you get a sample order and if you like it, like we do all the you just the people will order and mm-hmm. then the drop shipping company fulfills each order and you don't ever see the products, which sounds great. Um, but if the quality isn't good, yeah. then, you know, I just highly recommend going and like ordering and seeing and touching and feeling and washing the products yep. before if it's like apparel um, before you start selling it. And if if it works, then go for it. I know people who use it for different things like mm-hmm. handbags or like little other stuff and it works fine, like okay. pins or whatever. Right. But um, 
other than that, I would say try to self-fulfill. And it's something sweet about, like, getting the products and, you know, packaging it yourself mm-hmm. and taking it to the post office. So, I don't know. It's more of a preference, but yeah. we, we went the other way. Yeah. I think I would prefer the other way, too, to actually, like, touch it myself. Mm-hmm. Let me be the first guinea pig or the yeah. model. And then that way, like how we were just talking about being authentic. So yeah. you can speak to the products very well. You already know, you know, how it's going to hold up in the wash. Mm-hmm. If you can dry it, if you need and to dry it. And then if something goes wrong, too, you have easier access to whoever is printing right. or whoever is, like, manufacturing your products. So, um you know, when you have the the big companies who are doing everything for you, it's kind of like it's hard to track. Like if something's going wrong, like, OK, at what stage did yes. this happen? You know, right. So. Gotcha. And my best friend, Amara, she sent this question to me via text. Hey, Amara. <laughs> she says, what do you think storytelling via video does for the audience and the storyteller that other forms of storytelling don't? Oh, my God. That's such a loaded question. Well, video is just so engaging. So it like you have the power to like really connect with video in a way that you just don't in other ways, in other forms of content. So um, I think for wait, I need you to read the question back again because <laughs> it was so loaded. I want to um, make sure I answer. She says, what do you think storytelling via video does for the audience and the storyteller that other forms of storytelling don't? Okay, I will say, yeah, I would say the sense of connection between the viewer and the um, and the storyteller, per se. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of businesses go wrong is that they try so hard to sell their product in video instead of telling a story in video. And that's what I always encourage people to do is because you're you're purpose is always going to speak way greater than your product. Mm -hmm. And so as a business owner, leveraging video to tell your story is automatically going to engage your audience in purchasing your product or consuming your service. So I would say that. I would say um, it gives you that point of connection. You can see them. You can hear them. You can see what they're wearing. You can hear their tone and their personality. Like that's just something you don't get in every other form of content. So that would be my my thing. Good answer. Yeah. So that was our last listener question. Um, I have a few more before we get out of here tonight. Bring it on. (laughs) So (laughs) what are your long-term goals for your businesses? So let's think past the five-year mark, we're going to do like 10, 15 years. Where do you see Erin On Demand and Black and Gold? Um... I see black and gold. I see myself seeing so many people in black and gold. And I see um, us being on college campuses and having organizations, yeah, on college campuses and high schools um, for adults. Like, I feel like we will have some sort of curriculum that kind of hits every age range. And I really think it's going to be a community game changer. And I'm super excited for that. I think it'll be one of those things where you just see you see it all the time and it'll be a phrase that is is used very often. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I think for Black and Gold. I think Erin On Demand is going to um, I my long term goal or my vision for it is to do like big productions. Mm -hmm. So. Um, big commercials like on television and really helping companies um, 
have purpose behind the things that they're saying. And so because that's the thing, I'm not just a production company. I don't want to just get your, you know, your script in do it. Like, I want to help you really, like, create a narrative that's going to say something about your business and then execute it. So uh, I see myself working with really big companies and um, just con- just constantly elevating with the type of businesses that I work with. So, yeah. What does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? Ooh, <sighs> that's a great question. That's always a fun question. Hmm. Can I think for a second? You can. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I just I just love Detroit so much. Oh, my God. I, too. Um, I would say it means to just constantly like put on for the city to constantly just, um, to be uh, like to represent, but to also like spice things up and to create change and to not be afraid, like be daring and, um, and leave your mark on the city. Like I, the reason why I'm back here is because I felt like it's just so much opportunity mm-hmm. here. And so, um, just just putting on, just being daring and just doing what you have to do to to make this city like even better than what it already is. Yeah, I agree. Always just repping the city, always just being prideful of where you're from and mm-hmm. not listening to the negativity when you tell people like, I'm from Detroit. And of course, they are just like. Detroit? Like, really? Because they have this perception of what the people are supposed to be like. And And I think now, though, it's starting to change. Like, when I was in college um, in D.C., like, people were like, oh, don't mess with her. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, like, dang. But now, when I tell people I'm from Detroit, they're like, wow, I heard, I've been hearing, like, Detroit is on the come up Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Which is, like, I'm like, okay, well, that's a better thing to to know than than to think I'm about to to fight you. I'm about to (laughs) pop you in the eye. Like, dang. Because, like, if you knew me, right. you would not think that at all. But Yeah, but it gave me a little bit of street cred, Right. You know like, yeah, yeah, don't mess with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and lastly, where can people connect with you on social and on the web? Okay, I'm Erin On Demand everywhere. So my website is ErinOnDemand.com, at Erin On Demand on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Well, Facebook is just Erin On Demand with no ad. Um, <laughs> and then Black and Gold is Black and Gold. G-O-A-L-D. Can't forget the A, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, .com if you're interested in knowing more about us. And you can find all of our social media from that um, on the website, too. So Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I feel you. like, you know, all of our YouTubers out there can really take some things from, you know, what we talked about and just being authentic, just making sure, you know, when you're starting these channels, you're being consistent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And really thinking about the content that you want to put out there and really just how you want to connect with people. I think we really just like to see people that we can relate to. Um, people that we can attain, like if I message you, if I reach out, that you'll actually respond, yeah. you know, that's what we love I to see. I think that's so important to building a community is like you have to respond to comments, to 
to direct messages. Like you cannot slip on that stuff. Every single YouTube comment I get, I respond to. At least I try to. Like, yeah. Or my Instagram. Like that's what people want. Like that's building a community, and you have to value every single person mm-hmm. who who watches because they didn't have to. Right. So, um. So yeah, thank you so much for having yeah. me. I'm so excited for where your podcast will go thank and everything you. you're doing with your blog Thanks, and girl. for the city on, on the social media yeah. and just everything i'm super proud of you and hopefully we can you know connect on Aaron on demand or something i'm already subscribed (laughs) so you know it's nothing but a thing yeah but as always you guys i just want you to remember that detroit girls do it better Mm. and we will be back next week